Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. He also pissed a lot of people off. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's part of his legacy. I think Billy Wilder fam- famously said that um, the one thing that can uh, pull this uh, desperate town together is um, the joy that we all feel, feel when a Bogdanovich film flops. The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Hi again, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell, and we are still trying to make sense of the ever-changing world of entertainment. And Lou Katz, the great classic radio host, is in the control room for Hound Radio and our various platforms are we on the air, Lou? We are on the podcast, Arch. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm air. we're not on the air I wouldn't anymore. quite say air, but I will say podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to air this out. Today, uh, it's such a great pleasure to welcome two great voices from Vulture and New York Magazine. First, Jen Cheney, whom you all know from her many appearances on this show. And, of, and Lou and I would have you on every week if you just had the time, Jen, but I know. I know, I wish I had more time. We're just, you know, we're a little blip on your radar, but glad to be that. <laughs> and we are welcoming Rocky Haddadi, who has recently joined Jen at Vulture and New York. And uh, Rocky, it is great to see you climb the ranks and uh, gain a wider audience. And congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That is very kind. I'm very excited to join Jen and, you know, just be out here talking about TVs and movies as much as we can. Well, let's let's dive right into it uh, with you, Rocky. Uh, and uh, what are you watching? What I am watching lately is I am watching this new sort of comedy murder mystery called The After Party, which premieres on Apple TV at the end of this week. Um, And it has a really great ensemble cast. It's Tiffany Haddish, Ike Barinholtz, um, and a lot of people that I really enjoy. I'm just trying to figure out if I enjoy the show. (laughs) What's the setup? What's What's the idea? So uh, there is a high school reunion, and at the after party, the most famous member of the graduating cl- class, this pop star, um, falls to his death. And so <laughs> each episode is from a different perspective, as the detective, who's played by Tiffany Haddish, is trying to unravel who killed him, who would have motivations from their high school days or from present day. Any one of you could be the murderer. And I want to hear your story. The same thing could happen, but you see it in a different way. I like that each perspective sort of shifts. It's a nice way to get some character development. But I kind of can't figure out if it's funny enough or mysterious enough. There are a lot of moments that feel like you're supposed to laugh or be amused, but I just didn't. So I couldn't figure out if I was pulled to it or if there was something about the show that didn't work. It's a very easy watch. I mean, it's not necessarily challenging and like it goes down pretty easy but there's something about it that didn't click for me has it got a only murders in the building vibe i wish i I mean i think (laughs) only murders in the building does its mystery a little bit better and it's Mm -hmm. more sharply written with this i felt like the asides were the funniest part not the main storyline so it didn't exactly click for me well that's this week on apple the after party yes and jen (laughs) 
<laughs> it's always a loaded question to ask you what you're watching, Jim. Well, I feel like we need to play a little bit of catch up because um, we would be remiss, Rocky and I certainly, if we did not talk about Yellow Jackets on that's true on this podcast. Uh, right. Arch, I don't know if you've been watching yeah. that. I know how much you love it. <laughs> I am aware of it, but you, but you haven't watched it. Uh, no, I have not. Because uh, what is Yellow Jackets on? Is that on Showtime? Showtime? Later, I want to talk to you about overstreaming. Okay. <laughs> There's some <laughs> things I want to watch. I've got so many services already that I just kind of sigh when it comes to to uh, signing up for another one. So, but that's a little side issue. Let's go back yes. to Yellow Jackets. Oh, sure. So it, I'm, the first season is already over. This is a show about um, a soccer team, a girls soccer team in high school that's supposed to go to a nationals, their plane crashes. Uh, and it's about how they survive after that. But it's also, you know, 20 years later, looking at them as adults. And there's a sense of mystery about exactly what went on in the in the woods when they crashed and you know essentially did they eat each other who got eaten what happened exactly <laughs> the plane crashed a bunch of my friends died and then the rest of us starved and scavenged and prayed until they finally found us i think we both know there's more to it than that and it has become like it was it was well received by critics but uh it debuted in november and sometime in december it just exploded into a thing that on social media, it felt like everybody was talking about. I know, in Vulture Slack, it was it was uh, the hot topic of conversation. Constantly, to some extent. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's a really fun, interesting show with some great performances on it. Um, Melanie Linsky, Juliette Lewis, Christina Ricci, and and all the young actors are very good too. So if you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend doing that so that when season two starts, you're not trying to play catch up. Without giving it away, isn't there uh, some sort of of uh, kerfuffle about the uh, finale or the season finale where people <laughs> disappointed or? Oh, I don't think so. I think people, yeah. yeah, I think for the most part, it answered some questions and opened up new ones, which is like okay. the best thing this type of genre show can do. Um, and I think maybe there was just a little bit of question because I think, well, I think the core question of the show is how much of this stuff is quote unquote really happening? Like how much supernatural and occult stuff is really happening? And so that's sort of a question, but realistically what the show is really about, and Jen sort of touched on this is like the lives, the lives of these women and what it is like to be a teenage girl, what it is like to be somewhat middle-aged and perhaps unfulfilled. And what does that look like? And the performances are so good. So I, I very much am a fan of like the silly occult stuff, just because that's like what I enjoy in life. But like, there's so much more to the show than just sort of those theories of like, what's happening? What's not happening? There are a lot of layers there that make it very enjoyable to watch. And I think season two is supposed to come this year as well. Yeah, I'm not um, sure how they're going to do that. But that's, yeah. that's the idea. Um, I mean, I saw a couple people maybe commenting that they didn't like the finale. Oh. Um, but not, but by and large, that was not my impression of how people felt. I felt like people were pretty, pretty excited afterward. And those people are wrong. Let me just well, say. Yeah, they are. Speaking I mean, for myself, they're incorrect. No, they're so. absolutely off the mark. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm toying with, uh, with joining Showtime because I think uh, there's a Cosby show coming up on Showtime. Is that? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. well, <laughs> 
did I tee it up uh, well enough yeah, for you? Yeah, I was going to talk about this, but we can talk about it now. Um, it's actually called We Need to Talk About Cosby. Um, uh -huh. And it was uh, directed by W. Kamau Bell, who used to have a show on CNN. He's a stand-up comedian. And it may feel like we've talked about Cosby a lot, um, but I feel like personally we still haven't fully processed the significance of what happened and finding out about, you know, if, that he was a serial rapist essentially. Um, and so he gets a lot of people to talk about his legacy and, and he gets some of the survivors of, of his assaults to talk. But I think one of the most effective things in, in this documentary, it's, it's actually a docu-series, it's four episodes, is he like lays out a timeline and he's looking back at his career and some of the, you know, really positive things that Bill Cosby did, especially for the black community. But then he'll put in when these assaults happened. So you're like, okay, that was happening while I was watching him on iSpy. And that was happening on the set of The Cosby Show. And it just really frames it in a way that it's just so, so upsetting. I mean, that's, that's a, that whole story is upsetting on just so many different levels. But I think the docuseries is very, very well done. Bill Cosby had been one of my heroes. I'm a black man, stand-up comic. I was born in the 70s. But this? More trouble for Bill Cosby. The accusations just keep coming in. This was complicated. You know, one time uh, Cosby uh, appeared at uh, Wolf Trap. And mm -hmm. so they called me up when I was on Channel 4 and said, uh, would you like to come out and interview him? I said, yeah, sure. So then, uh, in order to interview him, I had to have a long phone conversation with his publicist some big shot in LA, I think the last name was Brokaw, which, uh, you know, uh, caused shutters in people at the time. And basically they, they interviewed me about what I was gonna talk to him about. I didn't like it, but I went through it. And then I went out there and we set Cosby down and he started talking and I couldn't get another word in edgewise. And it was it was a total controlling situation. When and was at the this? Time, this was well, when was I at Channel Four? Sometime in the early two thousands. Okay. Oh wow. Well, you know, because he would play Wolf Trap once a summer. Mm -hmm. He was on a regular uh, rotation out there. So I'd say you know two thousand two, two thousand three, something like that but it's completely controlled and I've never forgotten it. And even at the time it bothered me mm -hmm. and I, I had trouble pulling sound bites out of it because uh, he, he just overwhelmed the conversation. I mean, that's, that's, that's um, pretty consistent with some of the stuff that's in that docu-series. Uh, that's why. So I may subscribe to Showtime <laughs> and you lend me 20 bucks. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> busking. Just busk for your streaming apps. <laughs> can we collect some donations so that uh, yeah. ours can get showtime? So right. <laughs> PayPal him a couple dollars and let's make well, it happen. I thought I could go door to door and do reviews that way. <laughs> I like that. On demand. Two yeah, two shows for five dollars. Like that. So, Jen, what else? Uh, another show I wanted to mention, and actually Rocky wrote a really good review of it, so she may want to talk about it too. <laughs> Don't give me that look. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a show called As We See It that's on Amazon, um, and it's from Jason Kadams, who did Friday Night Lights and Parenthood. And it's about um, three adult roommates who are on the autism spectrum, 
and just, you know, basically their daily lives. They have an aide um, who's played by Sosie Bacon, who, who works with them every day. And all of the um, actors who play these characters are also on the spectrum. And Jason Kadams has a son who is on the spectrum as well, which is something that they dealt with in Parenthood a little bit. But it's a really warm-hearted show. I, I wasn't. I I went in with kind of. I'm not sure what to expect, and I I was really won over by it. And I think you liked it, with some caveats too, right, Rocky? Yeah, I think that's pretty much exactly the experience that I had because I was like, Jason Kadams has made me cry so much. Can he make me cry more? And the answer was yes. We should have a date. Oh. We can't have sex on date one or date two, but on date three, we can screw, okay? But yeah, I sort of didn't know what to expect. It's sort of, is that like, you know, people just living their lives, which sometimes I think can lack a little bit of narrative momentum. But I was really charmed by all of the storylines. I think that they very smartly just keep things about what life is like as a 20-something in one hand and then on the other hand what is life like when you're on the autism spectrum what specific experiences come from that um the performances are really good there is a certain storyline that resonated with me personally that i thought was really well done and it's eight episodes about a half hour each so i think it's one of those things where i don't necessarily know if binging would be best because sometimes i think the emotional beats need some time to breathe and you need a little bit of time to consider what the characters are going through. But yes, I would very much recommend it sort of hit me harder than I expected it to. Um, but yes, I think that's a good one as well. And I want to hear from both of you about the follow-up to Sex and the City. That's a Jen question. Jen, uh, like question. Jen wrote the review, <laughs> and I think that you know it's it's such a weird show. Weird, um, so weird. You know, rejoining Carrie and Miranda and Charlotte, but of course we don't have Samantha because Kim Cattrall did not sign on to the um, and just like that uh, the reboot. So they introduced some new characters. Most famously, Che Diaz, who becomes a a love interest for Miranda, who's struggling with her marriage, and just you know, they're trying to deal with the fact that these characters have aged, but they never let you forget how old they are to the point of utter ridiculousness. Carrie like has a bad hip, and we all I think by now know what happened to Big um, in the first episode. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, Charlotte is constantly like, oh. Harry, her husband, like, you're old now, so you need to wear this heart monitor just in case you drop dead at any moment. Like, it's it's just this constant grind. They're in their 50s, so life is over. Right, <laughs> yeah. that way, and it shouldn't. I mean, yeah. but yet at the same time, you know, we get the new episode every week on a Tuesday. They come out on Thursdays on HBO Max, and every time we get it, I'm like, oh, I need to watch this right away. So <laughs> I can't explain myself. I don't understand it. It's like some of it, a little bit is hate watching, but uh-huh. I was saying this to Rocky yesterday, like there is like, I still think Sarah Jessica Parker, like she can, I mean, the, some of this material is not great and she sells it. She really does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, listen, I don't know if it's going to get a second season. I suspect it will. Oh. <laughs> because people are talking about it a lot. Now you know? there's a review. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It just, it feels like there are no aims to this show. And I think that's what makes it like a very bizarre, chaotic watch week to week. Cause I agree with Jen, whenever the screener comes in, I'm like, I don't care what I'm doing. I need to 
who consume these 37 minutes of television <laughs> just because it seems sort of like some storylines just seem like they're not from somebody who like lives on this planet and has experienced anything before as an example there's a recent one where carrie has to deal with a loud neighbor and i'm like she's lived in new york like her entire life <laughs> she has never dealt with a loud neighbor before <laughs> So there are some of those storylines that I just, they feel very like there was a list of things that they came up with as like things you experience when you live in New York. And they're just like checking them off in like a, now she's old. How would you deal with that way? So I don't know, Jen, I hadn't even considered another season. <laughs> Did Kim Cottrell not participate because she was signed up for How I, how I Met Your Father? I don't. I think so. I, I mean, think there was some murkiness there. Like, I think that. she said she objected, like like that part of her life was done, right? Like that part of being on Sex and the City, like that chapter was over. And then I think like separately, she had already signed on to How I Met Your Father, but I don't think it was like, oh, like I want to do this, but I can't because of this other commitment. I think she pretty openly was like, no, I don't want to do that. And there's also these longstanding rumors that she did not get along with Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm -hmm. um, and, oh. and, you know, frankly, for good reason, wasn't maybe happy with the, the movies that they did um, and mm. just did not want to go back there again. Well, can I put in a plug for Ozark season four, part one? Have either of you sampled that at all? I have now watched it uh, basically twice. <laughs> okay. Well, then we, I, I take that to mean we're on the same page. Not necessarily. <laughs> well, we started mm -hmm. watching it and, and my wife said, play another, one. play another one. Huh. And we stick, we, and we are the demographic for sex in the city now. And we stayed up half the night watching this thing. Uh, I, I just think it's exciting it's an exciting crime thriller that you never know what's going to happen or what major character will be off. And of course, you know, it's Jason Bateman and Laura Lenny as the couple who uh, suddenly have to go to Lake of the Ozarks because his partner had been washing money for uh, the biggest drug cartel in Mexico and had uh, grifted a little bit of it. And, uh, and in order to wash money and save his life, uh, they moved to the Lake of the Ozarks, where Julia Garner comes in. And I think Julia Garner is just one of the great discoveries uh, uh, as far as an, actresses, an actress goes in television. So I loved it as so much. You know, we got through, we watched all seven episodes, and then I read online that they're not going to run the the finale or the or the last seven episodes until May or June. <laughs> that's pretty actually. That's sooner than I thought. I thought, I it, thought it was April. I thought I read May. Oh, I don't know. So sometime Whatever this year, it was, I guess. <laughs> I told Gina, and her response was, "Ah!" <laughs> so that's our review of Ozark. I love it. I love it. In fact, we've started over uh, the whole series. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, did you rewatch the entire show at this point? Well, I went back through, like, I, I sort of 
I would say browsed. Like I didn't sit there and watch every episode beginning to end, but I like mm -hmm. went through um, quickly because I'm doing an important vulture investigative piece on mm -hmm. how much time has actually passed on the show. Because you th might think you know, but it's it, when you start thinking about it, a lot of things do not add up. Um, but I have the figured it out. Vary. Yeah, I, I don't love the show as much as you do. Um, I, I really loved the third season because I loved the whole plot with with Ben. Brother, yeah. Yeah, the brother. I thought he was a, a I mean, I thought it was a great performance. I, I really cared about his character and I loved um, what, what having him there brought out of, of Laura Linney's character and her performance. I mean, to me, she's always been the best part of the show. Not to, and Julia Garner is great too. Julia and, Garner, I thought is kind of the heartbeat of the thing, the way it ends and her, uh, her uh, fierce response is uh, pretty strong. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I just think in terms of a character, Wendy is more complicated and interesting to mm -hmm. me, certainly than Marty, especially this season, who was just, I love Jason Bateman. I've loved him since yeah. Silver Spoons. I kind yeah. of always will, but like, he's so even keel that it's just like very frustrating to me. I think that's what I have not watched the first part of season four. I think I'm sort of done with the show potentially and part of that to me feels like it's because of Bateman's performance because the exactly that like sort of even keeled monotony did not exactly work for me and I sort of feel like nothing changes I know that there are some major character deaths at the end of season four but my issue is that it sort of just felt like it sort of felt like watching Sons of Anarchy which was also a show that I watched for its entire run but every season ended with like here's all this stuff that was happening off screen that we never hinted at and we're totally unaware of, but we sort of wrote ourselves into a corner and now we're writing our way out of it with all of this stuff. And sometimes that's how Ozark felt to me where there were these things happening all of a sudden revealed at the end of a season where I was like, what, how did this happen? <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> you know, so I don't know, but I did, I loved season three. I thought the Ben character was amazing. And I, I am a little curious about how four continues to deal with the fallout from what happened to him but i mean now, i think i read a, a kind of a follow on vulture about uh where are they going and what how it's going to happen and who will be left basically uh it's who's going to be left standing which was very interesting i think that's so, i've subscribed to vulture by the way because of you two and i'm Thanks, recommending Arch. it to everybody i know it's 50 bucks a year and number one uh it's a little bit of nostalgia for me because when i first started i subscribed to new york magazine and i thought i was so cool because i was reading new york magazine and living in dallas texas <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's it's a great site and uh, the article on uh, where do we go from here on Ozark is terrific. I'm I'm all in. I can't wait to see uh, how it finishes. All right. Well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I want to see how it finishes too. At this point, I've, I've invested uh -huh. too much time. But That's true. Yeah. Both of you are mixed on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm mixed on it. Yeah. Pardon I me for saying, is this a male female issue or uh, is this a taste issue? Maybe it's a I don't think it's, I think it's a Yeah, I think it's a taste issue. Okay. Um, because it feels like it has, like, it, I mean, it has a wide popular fan base. I think it's just like what speaks to you. Because from the beginning, 
I was always irritated by how blue the show was. So yes. I think I have had, I think I have had like a negative reaction from the beginning, but I watched it because it felt like a show that everyone was talking about. I do think it is very popular. There's just something about the pacing and the performances and the visual style that does not exactly work for me. But, you know, it did give us Julia Garner. So I agree, Arch. I mean, yeah. she is. Well, and there's phenomenal. speculation that it might uh, win the Emmy as the best dramatic series. Emmys have liked it a lot, which I mm -hmm. was a little bit surprised by. Um, but if I'm remembering correctly, Bateman won over Game of Thrones. I think it was in either writing but or for directing. The directing yeah. 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 So it has really, you know, I think it has a lot of respect and affection in the industry as well. And of course, you know, it, it, on the order of not being on the same page, Jen knows that I'm a little bit off of succession. <laughs> I, I was oh. literally just going to say, if they give me over succession, I'm just going to be like, meh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm just gonna, you know, set my TV on fire and walk into the desert. Like, <laughs> very normal reaction. Yeah, extremely reasonable reaction. <laughs> I, I guess very quickly we should mention The Gilded Age, which started on HBO Max. And uh, I watched it last night. It's uh, Julian Fellows who did Downton Abbey. And it's Downton Abbey, except it's in New York. And it's quite bland and not very good and uh you know i and i'm a big fan of carrie coon and christine baranski and it felt lazy to me that they just tried to replicate downton abbey except in uh new york in the end of uh, the 1800s and and, uh, you know, I don't care if I ever see another episode. Yeah, I've only watched the first one. Um, mm -hmm. I do intend to watch more. I mean, I'll watch Carrie Coon wear, you know, majestic hats for at least a yeah. few <laughs> for hours on end. <laughs> yeah. I'll um, never give up. <laughs> I'm probably on Arch's level where I watched it and it did nothing for me. And I read on a, um, there's like a fashion and entertainment blog named Tom and Lorenzo, and in their review of it, they called it like a big glittering ornament that you would never buy for yourself. But like, you just like looking at it, but it doesn't really do anything for you. And I think that is sort of similar to my feelings. I was like, I understand how much work went into this. And we did just run a piece about like, the feasts are all real and sort of the prep that went into that, all the lobsters and everything. So from a production standpoint, I'm like, this is really impressive. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, nothing about that sort of like breaking into the world of the rich grabbed me very much yeah somebody no, described it as wealth porn <laughs> yes and i think it's it's interesting to compare it with succession because succession does a very good job of making that world not mm -hmm. visually appealing jen and i spoke about this on another podcast like i have no interest in living in the succession world which is just like cold sterile boardrooms and empty condos whereas with gilded age i'm like oh everything's really beautiful maybe i do want this <laughs> <laughs> and then i sort of hate myself for it <laughs> so yeah yeah the first episode is definitely a, a snoozy kind of uh hour plus or no, yeah. is it, I think it was an hour plus, right? It was like 80 minutes or something. It looks yeah. 80 minutes, yeah. Yes. That is Felt like a like movie it. length. I, you know, I can't. Yeah. Sometimes I cannot do that. But Jen, why is this on HBO Max and not HBO? Are there any like details? It is on that? HBO. Oh, okay. I thought it was yeah, just it's on, on HBO it's, Max. It's on Monday nights on HBO. 
Oh, is, okay. Which is okay. Uh, a little weird, but they were trying to build up Mondays for a while there. So I think maybe mm -hmm. that the strategy. I think I read originally uh, they thought it was going to be a series on NBC, and it yeah. feels like something mm -hmm. that was run through that that blender. <laughs> well, I mean, he's been talking about this show. I feel like for at least a decade or something. Mm. Uh, it's been a really long time, yeah. Because when Down Abbey um, was on, he was talking about making this. So uh, very quickly, I watched a couple episodes of Abbott Elementary, which oh, you good. can get on Hulu, but it's on ABC, and it's uh, kind of The Office, except it's uh, set in an elementary school, uh, an urban elementary school, and the center of it is uh, Quinta Brunson. Is that right? Yes. Quinta Brunson, she's a comedian. Yes. And I I thought it, I I liked it. I like it a lot. I think it's really funny. Um I think it's really remarkable that it sort of finds its voice and like you you feel very quickly like you know these characters, like they're fully formed mm -hmm. human beings. Yes. Uh, and given, you know, just how difficult it has been to be a teacher um mm -hmm. lately especially, I I think it's just such a welcome, funny and warm kind of testament to, to how difficult it is and, and how um, how much we should appreciate our teachers. Um, so I, I really like it too. And it seems to be doing well in the ratings, so. Uh, good. I've good been a fan of Cheryl Lee Ralph for a long time. She's got mm -hmm. this dry sense of humor and um, a personal story. My mother taught the first grade for 25 years and it sounds like some of the stories she told <laughs> well, that's funny. Quinta Brunson's mom was a teacher in Philadelphia uh -huh. for many years, and, and she has said that she based the series on things that her mother told her. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that's not a coincidence that, it's, that it feels real. Way back when, my mother had to pass the bilingual education program. She had to uh, be fluent in Spanish, mm -hmm. and, um, and she was from uh, Alabama. So we used to say there's an entire generation of uh, people in San Antonio who speak Spanish with a Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, gee, uh, I, I want to hear from both of you about the career of Meatloaf, who passed away this week at age 74. Well, I remember every little thing as if it happened only yesterday. It's kind of a pang from uh, our past, isn't it? It's hard to believe Meatloaf is no longer with us. Yeah, I ended up uh, writing the appreciation about him mm -hmm. for, for Vulture. And, uh, you know, he reportedly had COVID, but I don't know if that's ever been mm -hmm. officially confirmed. Um, mm -hmm. He had some, some interesting opinions about things toward the end of his life, but uh, his voice was really just remarkable. And, um, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, and then the whole Bad Out of Hell, like operatic rock album that he, that you know, that was one of the biggest selling albums of all time. And and uh, and that scene in Rocky Horror, you know, right. and all of those midnight showings where he bursts in there. I didn't realize until I read um, he was in the original production in L.A. and then moved to Broadway with it. Uh, I also, someone noted that the story is not true, 
that the New York Times referred to him as Mr. Loaf. (laughs) 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 That was. (laughs) Oh, that's too bad. That would have been great. That's too bad. Yeah, I think my main knowledge of him was from Fight Club, which is still one of my favorite movies. And I think that he is very good in as a specific representation of masculinity and, you know, what our society has done to it. It's always a question of if Fight Club is in on the joke or just making the joke. But I, I do think that his performance in it is very good. My name is Bob. I was a juicer. You know, using steroids, diabinol, and Wisterol. Oh, they use that on race horses for Christ's sakes. And now I'm bankrupt. I'm divorced. My two grown kids won't even return my phone calls. I learned a lot reading Jen's retrospective because there were things about his music that I was aware of. Like I knew what a sort of figure he was, but not how actually like pervasive in pop culture that music was for that time period. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. I didn't know that. And very quickly, uh, shall we remember Louis Anderson? Uh, that was kind of a sad one, age 68. Remember him from Family Feud, of course. But uh, I want to watch him in the baskets. It's a great part. Christine Baskets is every woman. There's a whole bunch of Christine Baskets in the world, and nobody's represented them, and I am. If I'm not misremembering, I believe he won an Emmy for that performance. Mm. Um, yes playing Zach Galifianakis's mother and he and basing it on his own mother, which is really poignant. I mean, a, a lot of the remembrances yeah. I've read just sounded like he was someone that was genuinely sweet and wore his heart on his sleeve at all times. And uh, yeah, I was sad to see that news as well. Yeah, and like uh, 11 brothers and sisters. It's, it's... Well, speaking of brothers and sisters, it's time to take a break for Hound Radio and toss this baby to Lou Katz in the control room. Hey, Jen, you know, I know you have at least, what, one dog? Two? Two. One. You have two. Well, And I apologize for whatever you might have picked yeah. up. That's, that's, I heard. I heard that's quite all right. Ago. A little extra participation. Uh, speaking of dogs, <laughs> check out this segment of our World of Dogs feature on Hound Radio. Hound Radio pauses the music for another wonderful look into the world of dogs with Faith Lapidus. Newton's first law of motion, as I'm sure you remember from your high school physics class, is an object will remain at rest or in motion unless that state is changed by an external force. It gets our attention when things don't obey that law, like something rolling away without being pushed. Well, it turns out dogs also notice when something seems to violate the laws of physics. Researchers in Vienna trained 14 dogs to hold still while watching a video, while the researchers watched their eyes. One video showed an animated ball rolling toward, then hitting a second ball. The first one stopped and the second one started rolling. In a second video, the ball stopped before it hit the second one, but the second one started rolling anyway. The dogs stared longer at the balls that didn't move in a logical way, and their pupils became more dilated. That also happens to us when we see something that doesn't fit our expectations. That suggests that dogs, like us, understand the basic way objects should behave and are surprised when they don't. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. Okay, so we have a few minutes left, and uh, what shall we recommend this weekend? 
still in the process of watching this, so I don't know if I want to endorse it, but I do want people to be aware. Um, there's a documentary called Janet about Janet Jackson. This is what a superstar looked like. She's an empowered woman. She is a force to be reckoned with. She comes from a whole family of legends. She will always be my baby sister. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Janet Jackson. It's gonna be airing. It's it's with commercials, it's four hours, but it's split up into two parts. So the first part is Friday night, the second part is Saturday. Uh, it's it's made, you know, she's an executive producer, so it is very much made with I think her touch on it, meaning that she's kind of spinning the story, but uh, but it really is looking back at her entire career from the very beginning. Um, it has sort of a lifetimey vibe to it, but I, I I'm fascinated by her and and uh, I I'm enjoying watching it so far. So and what's that on, Janet? That's on Lifetime. Lifetime. Oh, it is on Lifetime. It is on Lifetime. Oh. That's why it has a Lifetime vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Rocky, what 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 do you recommend for the weekend? Uh, I was really pleasantly surprised by this show on AMC Plus. I know another streaming service, um, but it's called La Fortuna and it is an adaptation of a Spanish graphic novel about mm -hmm. a American sort of like treasure hunter who finds this cache of gold coins sunk near Spain and takes it for himself. And the Spanish government decides that they want it back. If you remember the beginning of Titanic, I find nothing but wet paper. I think we just got a little bit luckier. I'm here to claim a treasure in the name of the kingdom of Spain. It's sort of an adventure story because they are, you know, like crawling around the ocean floor finding treasure. And it is also sort of a legal thriller because there's this whole courtroom element in terms of Spain and their government versus this American billionaire who just decided that he wants the coins. Um, and the American billionaire is played by Stanley Tucci. And I really enjoyed oh, him oh, playing against type. And the American effort is led by Clark Peters, who is also excellent and such an mm. HBO mainstay on The Wire and just. Mm exceptional all around so it is a little goofy and it is sometimes a little bit corny but i you know i really enjoyed it and it felt like reading a very good airport novel which is a genre that i love so an that's amc, AMC plus. plus okay yes. cool yes and of course i want i want to plug ozark i just loved every minute of it i just i just i can't wait and i can't wait for the the final seven uh shows to drop and then then just think we won't have to discuss this again <laughs> there will absolutely be an ozark spin-off of some kind i, I am like yeah yeah i am assuming that happens what will that be white water or <laughs> it'll be something they'll figure out a way to stay oklahoma in city Who yeah knows? probably probably so well, uh, Rocky Haddadi and Jen Cheney, both of you now on Vulture at New York Magazine, and uh, your work is uh, so good, and it's so great that the two of you are together, because you always you, had kind of a, of a complimentary vibe anyway. That's so very uh, I recommend you to everybody, and uh, we will be back next week. Lou Katz in the control room. Thank you for running us on Hound Radio and the other... Um, 
platforms we're on. And until then, we'll see you next week. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.